your ideal home attendance should be 1,500 people. And we achieved every part of our plan, except the support did not follow us. The support did not follow us through the gates, and it did not follow us by advertising and sponsorship for us. And maybe, and I will take some of the blame, I made a mistake there. I assumed we would get them, so I was wrong. Well, gambling on attendances has never failed before for a League of Ireland club. That's Dennis O'Connor, the chairman of Bray. They find themselves in a sticky situation this week. We're back, aren't we? We're talking about a club who are having financial struggles. This is News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast. A very good morning, good afternoon, good evening. He is... Kevin Doherty. And I am Oisín Langan. You can get him on... At Kev.5. And you can get me on at Oisín Langan. We will talk about some positive things in a while. Actual football. Kev was out to see St. Pat's against Galway. And Shamrock Rovers and Cork City play in Europe. We'll be chatting with Rover striker Gary Shaw, who's a tall man. He's 6'3". But he's yeah. not the big lad up front. Well, he is, but he's so much more than that, isn't he? He is, but he's a good player as well, yeah. yeah. I mean, he can be <laughs> big lad and be good with your feet and good at holding up the ball and, and, and be able to finish as well, which is, in fairness to him, he seems to have been doing that since he signed for Rovers. He did it at Longford, of course, before. Did yeah. very well for Longford and got the move to Rovers and he's done well since. Yes, the rise of the gingers continues. Well <laughs> done, Gary Lad. We'll hear from him in a while. Rovers taking on Starnan on Thursday night, even if you're listening after the, this game. The interview is as much about Gary himself and his career um, as it is about the game. We talk a bit about that as well, but you look, you can fast forward through that if you already know the score, if you're listening afterwards. I'll be going out to that game with an update on Off the Ball from 7 o'clock on Thursday evening. Cork City look like they've got the job done against Lavadia Talent. They lead by two goals to nil going into the second leg at Turner's Cross. But as we saw at Rangers, you don't take anything for granted. Oh, God. I know, yeah. That's unbelievable, the Rangers thing, yes. Did you see Gary Lineker's tweet? No, they didn't did lose to Luxembourg. They lost the in Luxembourg team. to a team yeah, yeah, that lost fourth. Yeah, yeah. Ah, it's shocking. Rate. It's absolutely shocking. And and, and <laughs> even that, that would sometimes annoy you. And, and I know it's obviously not many Rangers fans over here, but mm. when, when people following that league when they've a league on their own doorstep. But then obviously what we're going to talk about later will be a stick to beat us with as well. That the, the things with Bray and Athlone and yeah. are a reason why why people don't follow the league. But if that had been an Irish club losing there, there'd be like yeah, you'd, you'd be disgusted. Yeah. I forget the name of the crowd Rovers lost to last year. They weren't from Luxembourg now. I think they were from Finland. Yeah, but that's and yeah, there was different. Auctions yeah. about. Well, I think Rovers beat that team three 0 over two legs. A couple they of did, years yeah. ago. They and I think the, Pats might have beaten them as well. And they were poor. Uh, even a couple of years ago, Cork City lost to an Icelandic team. Yeah. And they lost away from home. They sat back and people were saying, what are you doing? Go after them. They've learned. Dundalk have learned. And hopefully Rovers have learned as well. Hopefully they've all learned and will progress in Europe this year. Right? We will get to all of that actual football very soon. But uh, we started the podcast with a clip of Dennis O'Connor speaking to East Coast Radio, by the way. He was on the Declan Meehan morning show. Um, I'm always very careful about these things because it's very easy to just give Dennis O'Connor a kicking because he's the chairman yeah. and it's very easy to say well he made promises that weren't kept but ultimately when a club can't play their players having entered into a licence agreement with the FAI having entered into a contract with their players this is the same as any other bi- business like if, if, you're, if your owners if your employers can't pay you they deserve a bit of a kicking but like to do what they've done to make agreements with players on the basis of, we think we'll get this many people in. I just cannot believe that that mistake has been made again. It's incredibly naive. Um, I'm no business expert, but like to, to 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 be basing your 
uh, outgoings on what was going to be coming in the in the ground is is, is just frightening. And I don't know. Before I think when 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 they came in in 2015, had they ever been to the Carlin? Did they have they seen? Like I was there, I played there for a year. It was a great. Had no year. previous connection to the club. Well, Dennis in his interview did talk about how yeah, he's he been involved sporadically over but, the years. But I'm, I'm talking about looking at the crowd size, for instance. Yeah. Like how they they could be basing anything on that is is beyond me. Um, they've never traditionally had big crowds. Bray even going back, I think obviously when they got to the cup finals and stuff, there was. They got decent. But every crowd. club will have a decent yeah, crowd course. when they get I to a cup again, final. That's yeah, the nature like, of it. Look, even when I was at Longford, we got a cup final. There was seven or eight thousand there from Longford, yeah. like, and then there'd be three hundred at the game now. This their last game or whatever, you know. It opened up a lot of questions. It's the whole licensing system, which in, ultimately is a good thing when, yeah. like, players will eventually get paid at the end of the season. A club is supposedly not allowed to get their license until all monies are are paid to to players. I've been in the licensing meeting before myself with Shelbourne. We had to go through everything with a fine to comb. If, um, Joe Casey, the chairman, who's an accountant and very good at it, literally had to go through every single detail of your projected yeah. incomings, your projected outgoings, your sp- what type of sponsorship. So, in some you senses, had. the licensing is strict, and and I'm glad to hear yeah, that. Yeah. I really am. But it seems to me that they got a license off the back of someone writing a letter. Well, that's I listened to the interview as well, and and that's what it seems to have been. Now, I don't know how, how like how legally binding are these letters? Just like, like a developer basically saying, or a businessman basically saying, "Look, it's totally cool. I won't chase these funds." In fact, let's have a bit more from Dennis O'Connor, the Bray chairman, talking to East Coast Radio about the cash situation and about what was promised and how. The guy's name is Jerry Mulvey. He signed this letter of comfort that they're all referring to in yesterday's media. I only saw it for the first time last night at the FAI meeting. It does say I will lend financial support to the club. It was given in good faith and he's involved in a legal case with a high profile person and he had a legal agreement as he tells me and that legal agreement had um, tranched payments if you like to come through in it and now the other party has gone kind of legal let's say on that and it's kind of scuppered him a bit so that's where he said he has reached a dilemma okay. so this is Mulbuk, uh, Don, uh, Milway Don is Milway the company, Don. Yeah. Uh, the company that it's owned 80% by Jerry Mulvey and 20% by me Yeah. okay and he promised when you were drawing up the strategic plan that the money would no, be forthcoming no, from no him. it was nothing to do with the strategic plan we have to get a license each year in, um, from the FAI to play in the Premier Division. So when you're getting that license process, means you have to go in with various paraphernalia, including financial projections. So on the financial projections, they saw that the club get a letter of financial comfort or letter of comfort. That's what it's about. It's not and this was shown it. to the FAI in order to get the license? They insisted on it. So let's try and be fair to the FAI here who haven't really said anything they've said they're looking into it they've said that you know they're investigating and that they don't want to comment further I understand that but it seems to me from what is being said there that they gave the license or Bray got a license in a large part because of this comfort letter from Jerry Mulvey and a comfort letter basically is is I've pumped in cash but don't worry I won't look for it now that doesn't mean you won't stop or you can't stop putting yeah. in the cash which is apparently what has happened here well then I, as I said before I, I just don't understand how they they could get a licence based on that like mm. the whole thing the dogs on the street were saying this and you've seen the reaction yourself on social but media but if it was a big business beforehand. man just, just yeah, to be devil's advocate like in the Premier League 
there's a lot of clubs run at a loss but they just have sugar daddies who say look we'll keep pumping in money yeah so I can understand why the FAI would say okay Jerry Mulvey we know of him he's been involved with St. Pat's in the past yeah that's right he does have deep pockets yeah but but then that wouldn't for any sort of if you're talking about the Premier League or the Championship or even any uh, club in England that's not their only source of income Mm. there would always there would never be like I know the very odd case you look at Leighton Orient there's different reasons why Clubs end up not paying players and stuff, but this this would never happen anywhere else. It, I, I'm, I'm it's really really annoying me because the players, for starters, like most of them, I, I, I'm on the understanding of that they turned down other offers from other clubs that they were offered that would have been not even close, maybe half of what they were offered at Bray. Obviously, for any player, for any industry, like you, yeah. you would think, well, it's a sound that they'd have looked at the thing, they'd have been sold the whole story as well. We have a big backer, there's nothing, everything's going to be grand here. And you would trust people, your nature is to trust w- people. Would you, though, Kevin? I mean, you're a player in the League of Ireland, you have to have your eyes open, you have to know. And I appreciate, you know, they're, they're, they're footballers, but it's yeah. still business. If someone is offering you good money for a job, you take it. But I have to say, if someone came and offered me money for a job and I just didn't quite trust them, or if I thought, you know what? I might get good money for five months, but I'm not sure it will continue after that. Yeah, well, look, and, and pl- players, and, and not just players, in, mm-hmm. in all the industries, people can be very short-sighted. And if yeah. you're thinking of, for instance, you're buying a house or you're, you're booking a holiday or you're pe- buying yeah. a car, like, and you see, well, I'll get that. Like, yeah. these, these are the things that people think they, of. They sign a contract, they're entitled to their money. And by the way, I'm not for a moment blaming the players. No, no, and neither am I. Yeah. Or the stand, and I mean, I, I, f- I desperately feel for... Harry Kenny in, in this, like, yeah. I mean, he's such good, a good fella. Uh, so he's a great fella, yeah, I know him well. He's such a, done a, such a great job for this to be thrown at him. And I'm, I'm sure the way it works, like, he, he'd have been given a, he, he'd have given what targets he wanted and what players he wanted. I'm sure he wasn't in the room saying, you're, you're getting this much and that much. And again, I go back to it, like, they were offering far, far more than, than other clubs. And yeah. what would be regarded probably as bigger clubs. And yeah. then it's got, like, it's and gone their basis four months was later we're going to get big crowds and we're going to develop the club because they have a five-year plan. Yeah. But they don't essentially want to pay for the developments that could be built, the new stadium, etc. Yeah, I saw that. It's a bit, it's, look, it's a bit confusing. The, yeah. the whole motives behind everything are, are confusing, to be honest. Yeah. What's it like when you're a player in that situation? Because ultimately, it is the players who will really suffer here. And again, yeah. I think people forget that if any other business shut down or if any other business said actually if you you're not getting your wages or you may not get your wages or well look we're going to try and get your wages and I've no doubt that Dennis O'Connor is genuine when he says we are trying to get investment but ultimately that's no good if you're a player who you know and you don't get paid on a Friday imagine in any other job if you didn't get paid if someone came to you during the week and said actually the money's run out you're not getting paid and it's the exact same for these guys that's what they're going through so what's that like because you've been there yeah I have yeah (laughs) I've played with four League of Ireland clubs and at some stage during all of those uh, different spells I had with the clubs there's been money trouble whether it been not getting paid whether getting deferred wages whether taking a, a reduction in our wages to, to help the club through or whatever the way it was put to us because if you don't there'll be nothing there yeah. like it's all well and good the, the, the people saying this but like I mean can can the Bray players go to the bank and say, well, I'll pay you back. I mean, mortgage, I know it's you this week. I'll pay you back in, in no. six months when I get it. Can they, small little things, can they put petrol in their car? Can they, I'm not putting on the poor mouth here, but these are the things that people have to deal with. Well, if you don't get paid money for the yeah. job you do, those are the problems. Can they ring that's you why you do your say, job can't so pay you can pay me your bills. Bill this. I'll pay it to you yeah. next month when I get paid. That's not the way the world works. And this is why, and a lot of the time, 
you would talk about them. And, and do you think I, football clubs take advantage of the fact that it is football? And I'm making a very broad point there, not just related to Bray. Do you think they kind of take advantage of that fact? Well, I, I think they might negotiating these things. Yeah, probably. Or well, trying to get out of these things. And again, I stress that's a broad. Question, it is quite not broad, just related to Bray. It depends on yeah, on, on club to club. It depends on what way they see the club. Do they see it as a business? Do they see it as a like we always talking about? We love it in a full time league, and a, but this type of stuff just shows that the it's not there. Like there's probably maybe three or four clubs yeah. that are, are capable of being full time and, and running a business properly and having proper people doing the job. And the PFAI have said as well. Look, we'd love twelve month contracts. We'd love for more players to be on two year deals. We'd love more wages. We think players should be on more yeah. wages. But does this show? That that just we're not there yet, and there are many clubs out there, even some of the bigger clubs. Even last year, yeah. one of the reasons the Dundalk run in Europe was so much was that some players didn't then have to go and look for a job over Christmas. But didn't that tell its own story? Exactly. But what it, the point I'm trying to make here is: aren't you better off if your clubs come and say, "Kevin, we can only pay you for nine months, and I'm sorry we can't pay you for the other three months of the year out of season, but look, we definitely can pay you hundred quid a week for nine months or two hundred quid a week for nine months." After that, I'm sorry, but but at least if you know that, yeah, absolutely. So clubs have to be honest. Is yeah, that and I know, from this? and I know the PFI, what what the PFI are saying about. I was on 52 week contract myself. Yeah. Shelburne, we were going down. We were off for three months. Yeah. Over over. You had a Ferrari Christmas. when you were at Shelburne. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, picture <laughs> one. But you were going down to Talca on a Friday to pick up your wages, and like we didn't think any different. I come from full time football in England, and that's the way football yeah. is run. And in, in fairness to, to the likes of Shelbourne and Bohemians and everyone Cork probably at the time they were trying to do the things the way yeah. you would look and say that's the right they thing were showing ambition but some of them showing ambition but blind and this has blind. happened again and it's, this is this is the the most obvious case and again you go back to the players it's, it's the, and, the, and the staff Harry and Liam and all of them like they're the ones that, that I would feel sorry for we may move on from the subject Kevin because I think your head will explode but I appreciate why you're taking it so seriously do you think this is being taken seriously enough I don't know. Time will tell, I suppose, because because you obviously have to see what the FEI do about it and, and if the situation is resolved, even till the end of the season for Bray. So we'll have to just wait and see, I suppose. Those who don't read history are doomed to repeat it. Interesting. So take note, anyone who thinks they might get involved in the club in the future, don't bank on attendances. Don't say, hey, we'll pay guys X amount because we're definitely going to get way more people going to our games because we play a good brand of football. People... They don't, that's not how it works. I mean, even Dundalk, I don't know, despite all they've done, have they increased their numbers massively. Cork City have, but Cork always had a strong attendance always anyway. Had, yeah, yeah, they always the, had. Now, it would have obviously yeah. gone up. Yeah. Like, it would have been a, maybe a couple of thousand to the, to, to 5,000 now, which is a significant increase in fairness. To them. It's massive, and they're probably going to win the league, but yeah. if they're struggling next year, their crowds will go right down. They're, they're as fickle as anyone else. Yeah, Shamrock yeah, Rovers yeah. again. It's the same thing. Yeah, they've got a strong support, but of course they'll fluctuate. There's a core support always. Yeah, and again, I I don't know every ins and out about the situation with Bray, but by all accounts, like a lot of the core support of Bray being alienated. So and about di- yeah. different situations well, at the club, we, I've seen a lot of talk about that. Yeah, we did, we didn't play that clip, but he did say in that interview basically, and he said in the press release, oddly released at half time. I presume everyone oh. knows that story by now. Yeah. That's why we didn't start with that or mention it so far be a waste of time of course now I'm mentioning but what's the point we thought people would come out and watch us it's, he's basically it's, it's blaming the public the one so so what about the people that are actually in the ground reading the yeah. statement they're being blamed for being there even though he's giving the people it's like there. giving out to the lads who go to training about the lads who don't go to training yeah, that's, what it, that's what it is yeah. and again the, the timing of the statement is just he, try, he tried to 
uh, explain it during his interview um, on East Coast. But I just, I'm just baffled. It's, it's yep. beyond belief. Yeah. Okay, we will move off it now. But there is a good explainer on the situation with Emmett Malone of the Irish Times. That was done on Tuesday nights off the ball, and you can catch up on that on a podcast via newstalk.com forward slash off the ball. Um, this week, you went to watch St. Pat's against Galway, and it ended 1-0, which in truth was a result that was no good to either team. Well, funny enough, it actually, <laughs> it lifted sorry. Pat's out of the relegation zone, so okay, yeah. I know, uh, look... So they would have been looking. It for was good for either team. Yeah, I'm too yeah, lazy to yeah, recut don't, that. Don't yeah, leave yeah. it as it is. Makes me yeah. sound smart anyway. Okay. Um, it's, it Jeez, did I really am smart. <laughs> if I can make you sound, <laughs> it did lift it out. But they would have been looking to win the game. It was a poor game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, neither side really dominated. Was it poor because it was a relegation six pointer, or was it poor yeah. because you're talking about teams that have struggled to find form all season? I, I don't know. I don't think. They didn't look like there was no one under serious pressure. Or of course, they're both under pressure, but I don't. I just thought the quality of the tempo, even of the game, for for such a um, important game, and I'm, I think both managers were saying it, it was a six pointer before. It, it just didn't live up to expectations. But these things t- tend to happen. Pats went ahead. Were probably the probably the better team in the first half. Got a goal just right after half time, and and then. They sort of just—I wouldn't say they, they didn't fall apart. Galway upped it a little bit and yeah. got a goal from it. Gavin Pearce went off injured with I think maybe fifteen minutes to go. Then I think it was Mark Ludden threw a big long uh, throw-in into the box and Pats didn't defend it properly. You would think maybe if Pearce had been in there, he had been heading a few things away. They might have got, uh, been able to defend it a bit better, but it was disappointing for for Pats for Galway. Again, it's a point away from home to Pats. I know they're around. Yeah. Around it's them, a good point. Was it a good performance? Was there anything about it that would suggest that they'll have enough consistency to get them out of this? And now we're yeah. talking about the possibility of kind of really only two teams in the relegation battle going down because we don't know what will happen to Bray. I, I yeah, going back to that, I don't, I can't see that happening. That Bray will be involved in it, and like yeah. unless. To look to points or whatever, which Cause, uh, because Dennis O'Connor has said there was speculation that we'd start playing our under 19 yeah. team, that is not the case. Well, I mean, if the players leave, then yeah. they're gonna have to, but, but he's also said they it. can't go for free. Well, if they're not paid for two weeks, they can go for free, okay. so it's like okay. so there's a very much a question mark over question mark. You would okay. still, I would still say that whatever okay. maybe I'm being optimistic here that whatever will be sorted out, that they'll see out the, the, the season and and hopefully for them keep. Yeah. The guts of their squad, but on the others, uh, I don't know. I've looked uh, looking at Galway. It wasn't pretty, like you know, and and but they they did dig out a late a late goal and had a, had a free kick in the last minute to, to maybe win. And O'Malley yeah. made a, a very good save. I like the look of him actually. O'Malley. I was a good goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he made a few saves. Um, passed a few chances in the first half. That um, he was kind of win. Made a few t- few saves as well. But yeah. I'd be fearful for Galway. I think they play more games than everyone else as well. Um, they've. I heard Shane Keegan talking about the, the I think it was the next five games where they're they're more or less playing the teams around them. So the next month or so will be very important for them. There were, overall, as I said the game I picked to go to this week just just was poor in quality in general. But the difference I think in the in the relegation battle this year is you look at what Pats have done this or this week. They've signed Killian Brennan back. They've signed Owen Garvin. Let's talk more players coming in. I'm not sure that. The Drodas, Galways, Finn Harps even are, would be able to to strengthen. And Finn Harps have actually lost Kieran O'Connor, who's their top scorer, who's gone on loan to Bowes. 
from Dundalk's parent club. So that's where I think Pats will be okay. But look, they'll have to pick up sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, at the moment, St. Pats are 10th, Drogheda are 11th, and Galway are bottom. They're on 21 games. Drogheda have played 20, Pats have played 20, Finn Harps have only played 19. We'll include Sligo Rovers in this as well. They've only played um, 20 games as well. So it's a great win the other day, though, against Shamrock Rovers, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Bohemians are in 7th. I assume we wouldn't count them no, in this I think as well. No, okay. Yeah, so Galway are in 16 points. St. Pat's are on 17 points. They're back in the relegation zone. Yeah. In between St. Pat's and uh, Galway are Drogheda are in 17. And then Finn Harps are on 18 points. Funnily enough, last week there was reports of... I'll, I'll phrase this very carefully. But last week... Uh, an official from Finn Harps came out and said very publicly look yeah. we need to drive for funds we need to get people behind us because we're actually struggling Yeah. So how much of a boost for them would it be and how maybe ironic would it be if they were to be if they were to, to, to stay up because Brave for whatever reason went down and again there's a question mark over them yeah look it would be ironic alright and, and again yeah. it's, it's it's just it's typical of, of what's been happening over the last few years where clubs are coming out every at some stage during the season looking for a fund the, f- the f- not funny thing, ironic thing, maybe the people at Finn Harps might see what's going on in Bray and say, look, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Let's get out support our team. Exactly. Yeah. So it's good to have uh, benefits in that way. And, 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 uh, I suppose I'm preaching to the wrong audience here. I'm now the guy who's giving out to the people <laughs> who went, who are at training yeah. about the people who don't go to training. But like, I'm a pretty casual supporter. But I do love going to matches. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what those matches are. I genuinely believe that there are people out there who still have this kind of snob attitude to the League of Ireland like oh that's not really football and Dundalk helped chip away at that last year massively and Cork City as well but more so Dundalk and Rovers did a couple of years ago but there was a bit of a gap so let's hope someone can get to the group stages again ideally Cork City because I couldn't be listening to Rovers fans I don't mind the club but the Rovers fans I'm only joking yeah well let's hope they both do it and we're going to talk to Gary Shaw and it's going to be a good night in Tallinn genuinely any League of Ireland club that's in a European game, I become a fan of them for that evening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, yeah. but but I would just say to anyone who is around Donegal around there, you know, go and support your club. But of course, there's no good in me saying that on a League of Ireland podcast because only League of Ireland yeah. fans are listening. Yeah, to but me, uh, like, I I, yeah. I just don't the, the chance to go and watch live matches. Yeah, like you just don't get it. You can hop on a plane and go over to England. Or exactly. go to, I spoke already and, about and Scotland. People blindly go to GA matches, and I like you know me. Yeah, I'm a GA man to the core, but I've seen some awful shite this year. And I'll keep going back, Kevin. I'll keep going back. So just get addicted to your league club. Get addicted to going to live sport. It's bring by and large, yeah. Kids don't think like if you bring watch kids any to That's more or less what I'm saying, but in a nicer way. Like they they go and, and and start to follow these teams and, and my dad used to bring me to Dungarvan United matches in the Munster Senior League and I loved that's it. That's what I was going to say. You probably thought it was great and the players yeah. were great. And, but look, that's another day's work, I suppose. Yeah, there was really, a couple of guys really actually who went on to play League of Ireland football. Uh, Pascal Keane. Oh yeah, Waterford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was my hero when I was eight or nine. Oh, there you go. Yeah, did yeah. You have a poster on your wall. They didn't have posters. They didn't have posters, but I did Painting. ask Santa Claus for a Dungarvan United jersey. And did it arrive? Uh, no, I got an Everton jersey. Oh. Yeah, my parents thought oh. I'd be tricked, but of course, oh, even at that age, even I they knew they were trying to get you again. But yeah, but it, but even at <laughs> that stage, against the league, even at that stage, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pat Langan, <laughs> anti League of Ireland. He was actually at the Waterford United Manchester United game. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he says he was. Yeah. He also like probably would tell. Like everyone at the Blacks. Yeah, that's months. right. Yeah, no, no, he hates rugby. He, he, <laughs> he was like, still there. I, I commentated on rugby, and I said to him, "Here, listen. Did you watch that game I did earlier on the Munster match? It was really good. I meant the game now, not me." He says, "I wouldn't be watching that." 
He's present every year as a subscription to Air Sport and he still doesn't watch any of my rugby matches. All the GA matches, all right. All the football matches. And uh, yeah, but but not the rugby matches. We are getting off on a tangent. Yeah. I am kind of going into therapy um, area. I know you're a manager and a manager has to be everything, but I, I guess you don't want to be a therapist. Um, Kieran Sadler has gone to Cork City. In yeah. light of the fact that they're about to lose Shawnee Maguire, I appreciate they are different players. Yeah. Is that a good move for the player and the club? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, where would you want to go? Like, if you were leaving any club in the country, you'd go to Cork or Dundalk, I suppose. But Cork is are the ones that are flying high. You look like they're going more than likely going to be next through the next round of Europe. Like, mm. it's 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 a great move for for him and for the club. We, I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. It'd be good. look. I know he's not a direct replacement for Maguire, but they yeah. can chop and change and they can mix he's things. Strong around. and he's fast though, isn't he's he? A, and and Maguire is strong and fast. Yeah, and and he's like not now out and out centre forward, but he scored goals. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Adam, he won't replace the goals. And well, I don't yeah. think he will, unless John Coffey is thinking of something completely yeah. different. But he won't add the goals that Maguire got. Yeah. But like well, he, he's capable of have, scoring have goals. We s- not seen it in the past though that players change positions like. The best example I can think of is Thierry Henry, who was yeah. a winger when he went to Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with Cork City, actually, Kevin Doyle, as far as I'm aware, when he came to Cork City from St. Pat's as a very young kid, well, so 18, 19 maybe, out the wing, was he? he was a winger. Yeah, and yeah. then he became one of the best strikers in the league and became really hot property in England for a while and he's made a good career for himself. I'm sure there, there's other players out there as well who were one and then became the other. So could he become the main man? Because so. I imagine if John Caulfield is buying a strong, fast guy who can hold the ball up like Shawnee can, then he wants him to fill in for Shawnee. I, possibly, but who knows? He might be getting someone else as well. Yeah. Maybe there's there's another centre forward and he's just adding uh, strength in the squad. Because yeah. he has Conor Ellis there as well. That's true. Yeah. He came back. He was on loan at Cove, I think, last yeah. year and he came back and if he spoke, they lost like Benny already before. Like and, and so he, he would have thought would have been the ideal one to, to, to fill in. But... Maybe he's looking at someone else. Maybe kind of maybe Carl Shepard's going to play there. Yeah. Do so they have uh, Campion as well? Yeah. I was, I was talking him going. I'm not, I'm but not would sure. You, would you not want to keep Shepard where he is? Well, he's doing so well, and, and yeah. it's the real case. Do we of say it's he's not in the broke, hole? By the way, who Shepard? Yeah. Well, he pl- I think he'd been playing on the right and okay. then coming inside, and the the fullback then overlapping would yeah. take it in, in the space where where he was. But um, what do you call him? Sadlier could definitely play in there. Yeah. But then it depends. He's rejigging the team. It'll depend on how he, he manages to try and keep things the same, but having to change them, obviously, with the Maguire move. Because why would he want to change the way they're playing with Dooley on the left and Shepard on the right? And yeah. the way the midfielders have chopped and changed a little bit due to suspensions and, and injuries. But you wouldn't really want to change anything. He has to change at left back, he has to change up front. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what way he does it. We'll get to left back in a moment, but I want to play a clip of Kieran Sadlier speaking at the press conference in which he was unveiled. He was asked, what is I, what is his ideal position? Personally, I used to say I was a left winger or a right winger, but I played in the number 10 last year, I played up front, I played in the middle, so anywhere in, in attack really. I've even played left back sometimes. <laughs> no, left wing's my favourite, but I can mix it up. It's wherever the ball is, I'll just try and get on the ball as much as possible and play with the players around me. Wait a second, he just said left back. I could have read this completely wrong. 
he's actually Kevin O'Connor's <laughs> replacement. <laughs> I don't think so. Although, who knows? As I said, maybe he has another uh, forward player coming in and he's going to play him there. I don't think so somehow. Yeah. But, the, but there you go, just what we've been talking about. He can play in a number of positions and look to, as, for a manager, that's that's great. I assume you think Cork City will safely negotiate through the Lavadia talent second leg on Thursday night? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if they didn't. They, uh, I watched the game last week and they were very... Talent were awful, bar, they? Bar two or three minutes, near, literally yeah. two or three, when they had the shot, they hit the bar and, and the start of the and second McNulty half... McNulty made a magnificent yeah, save for that. it was a great yeah. save. But, it, but literally from the kick-off in the start of the second half, there was a chance where... I think the the guy scuffed it when McNulty came yeah. out towards him, and then they won at the crossbar. But they were in looked like they were in real total control. And one thing that I thought was really good from John Coffey's point of view: substitutions were great. Yeah, and they made a big impact. Griffin picking up the ball, Beatty scoring the goal. Like they really, the guy they've been looking at, Dooley, I thought was causing them a lot of trouble. Should have had a penalty as well, actually. Yeah, he took him off, put Griffin on, goes on a run, end up setting up the goal. Very good. Before we move off Cork City, what would you be thinking if you were Kevin O'Connor and Shawnee Maguire and you had signed for mm. Preston under Simon Grayson and then all of a sudden he leaves the club? Yeah, it's, it's worrying. Like, everyone knows that when managers come into clubs, they usually want their own staff, usually want their own players, people they know. Mm. So it is, look, I'm sure they'll go over and do okay anyway and, and, and impress. I think it was Alex Neal got the job today. Yeah. Um, who the has managed a former League of Ireland player in the past yeah, in the shape of ways? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not sure if they, if they were like. I don't think he always played Wes either. So you you, yeah. you just wouldn't know. Although that would be no indication of how the lads are going to do. But definitely, if you if you have to sign him for a club and they change the manager, the manager's the one that probably convinced to sign. I'm sure Sean McGuire had different clubs after him. Kevin O'Connor as well. Yeah. Like the manager's probably the one that convinced you in the first place to sign. So it is probably worrying, but I'm sure they'll be okay. Yes, and the thing is as well that they they'll be in good company over there, and and, yeah. and Daryl and Andy have come over from the League of Ireland and have already proved that you know you can step up. Yeah. Obviously, there are other Irish players there: mm. Alan Brown, Greg Cunningham. I think Aidan McGee is actually moving on. Sunderland, he, I, I think. Well, Ever- yeah, exactly. Everton are his parent club, yeah, so yeah. they're probably going to so- sell him to Sunderland. Um, but yeah, so that'll make things easier. It'll make presumably. it easier for them. But like, the likes of for Andy and and, and Daryl Horkin, like they're going to have to start all over again as well. Like I know they did well last year, but it's the same for every player at the club. Mm. They're going to be having to impress a new manager, and who knows whether he liked them, whether he doesn't like them, whether he wants to bring his own players in. We'll have to wait and see. Okay, uh, Shamrock Rovers in Europe against Starnan. That game in the balance. Mm. They do have a one 0 lead though, so yeah. a nil all draw will do them at Tala. Yeah, but it's you'd like to go and and, and see them. Although you have to be pragmatic enough to whatever it takes to get through, get through. But a lot of the time in in European games where you they're not a sit back team. No, they're not. They? they can't. They fairness, actually couldn't they're not do the that. Type. No, yeah. they aren't. They aren't. They're not going to try and sit in. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. So you would like to go and see them try and finish off the tie. Yeah. They had to be clever. Like if they go all go completely going over, they could leave themselves open or whatever. But a great result, I thought going over. We spoke yeah. about it last week. The the Icelandic league is decent enough standard, and mm. to go away from home and it's crucial to get get the away goal. I think. The problem is obviously if if they come and score an early goal and then yeah. you know what sometimes out in Tallaght there might be a bit of nerves going around or whatever. But I, I I'd be I'd be very hopeful, I'm confident enough that they 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 will finish it off. What do you like about Shamrock Rovers? I like the way obviously there's obviously the way that they play decent enough football. Yep. Um, you talk about the way they play with Shaw up front, Ronan Finn coming into form, Graham Bork is in form, 
the Trevor Clark has been one of the probably the young player of the year in the league. Yep. They play attractive he football. Yeah, he's a very good player. Yep. And they they have a good young management team in there. They've all the st- going back to all the whole structures in place. They have all that. They're playing, giving young lads. If they're good enough, they're, yeah. they're, they're playing. So I like the way they're playing. I think it's important for them to progress in Europe this year from a financial side of it as much as anything else. And as I said, I'd be confident enough that they will. They are kind of giving us a lesson in patience. Obviously, when a club goes bust, people say, oh, pe- you know, they should have been doing it right all along. We should have been building on structures, blah, 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 or de- developing structures. Shamrock Rovers, from what I can see from the outside, yeah. are doing that. Now, it's taken time for them to get back to where they were under Michael O'Neill. Yeah. There was a lack of patience maybe with some of the previous managers in yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Kenny. Yeah. Right? Um, but now there seems to be a little bit of something special happening there. And they've like done it the right way. It just goes to show that patience is the key. Well, the the other stuff, the behind-the-scenes stuff as in regard to the academy and the younger players, that'll... You need more patience because that won't yeah. come to fruition for another could be five, six, yeah. seven years when probably Stephen Bradley and half the players are long gone. Like, it's the nature of yeah. football. That's what what happens. But on the pitch, yeah, there was people probably saying, "Oh, young, inexperienced." I could, I've been to Rovers yeah. a number of times in the last couple of years, and you could sense the frustration. Yeah, yeah, but you could also sense a lack of understanding. But look, the results on the pitch will ultimately dictate what goes on in the stands. What what's said on. Twitter on Facebook, on all yeah. the social media, and if you're pr- producing results, particularly yeah. it's 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 more rewarding when you see your own young players coming through and scoring goals. I think they had three teenagers score last week, yeah. and to be able to dot in the likes of bringing Bork back from England, bringing Ronan Finn in, like it's it's great for them. I know he's sent a couple of lads out. Sean Heaney's gone on loan to Waterford. Aaron Dobbs has gone on loan to Wexford to get them more experience to maybe come back in next year. So that's certainly going in the right direction. But if you look at it. From a league table point of view, they're obviously still miles off Cork. Yeah. Not a million miles off where Dundalk are at the moment, yeah. but in, in terms of structures and players, they are still a good bit behind them. Well, I mean, obviously I want Rovers to do well. I want all league teams to yeah. do well, but not better than Cork City. No, of course. I think that's a given at this stage. Um, I've got good news for Shamrock Rovers supporters. Go on. Uh, I'm going to the game right. on Thursday night. That's good news, it's, isn't no, it? Well, I'll tell you why it's good news. When I say it like that, it doesn't sound like no. good news. But any time I've gone to see them this season, not only have they played well, but they've won. Stephen Bradley is aware of this, by the way. He okay. said to me after one of the games, you'll have to keep coming back. And he yeah. said, here, are you going to Turner's Cross? And I said, no, I'm not, because I'm a Cork City fan. Yeah. He said, I'll drive you myself. I said, no, you won't. Anyway. Whatever it takes. I have discovered that I seem to have some kind of mythical powers for okay. both good and evil. So this podcast is a <laughs> jinx you're itself. using them for something. Well, Positive. we had John Dunleavy on a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And we talked about injury and how he was over it. Then what happened to him? Injured. Out Rest of the season, the season yeah. unfortunately. We spoke about Spandau Ballet last week. Guess what okay. happened during the week? <laughs> no idea. Tony Hadley left the band. Spandau Ballet are no more. Oh, and even if they stop. are no more, they're 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 not any use without Tony Hadley. Oh, that's you wouldn't mind talking about Coldplay maybe they this week, would you? Through. Well, they're playing in Crow Park on uh, Saturday and Sunday, but I've mm. seen enough boring shite in Crow Park in my time, <laughs> so I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna skip that. Once. Um, I, I I can guarantee if I was at that game or at that concert I'd be like oh here bring back the blanket defence I'd much rather watch that and look the thing is I'm saying that but I'm actually going to the concert myself so oh really watch the cars there standing in the middle of the road yeah I know Um, (laughs) but anyway yeah so this podcast has powers that's all I'm saying okay well we'll see I hope for Shamrock Rover's sake and for everyone's sake that the the positive side comes out with you I really 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 do genuinely I hope and look touch wood I I really think they, they 
should go through they should and they're a pleasure to watch I mean, Ronan Finn is one of my favourite players but he's definitely after he's under up I think he was struggling with an injury at the start yeah. of the season and it's taken a while to get he's been one of the best players in the league for yeah. and Trevor, six, five, six, seven it, years look again I'm talking to people who, who know about Trevor yeah. Clark because it's a kind of a cult podcast yeah, or yeah, what's yeah, the word I'm looking know, for course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. anyone listening Close to this enough. will know yeah but um, <laughs> was that a was no, that a play on the no, C word no, 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 oh risque from Darty no, I like no, it no, no. And this Jesus. is a new side of me coming out. Wow, I like it. Risky. Uh, anyway, uh, Gary Shaw, you like him as a player? Yeah, yeah. Very. I said to be said earlier, he's done well. He's got well. They very important goal he got last week. Yeah. Out in uh, in Iceland, and he's a uh, again the old cliche big target man, but he's decent, yeah. decent with the bike. He can run in behind as well. He's not slow. Yeah. Like he can get in behind, which is always for a big man. Like sometimes you like to have him in front of you, and mm. you think you'll just have your battle with him in the air. But he can turn; he can get in behind as well. And in fairness, Stephen Bradley has spotted that as well. And it is something I have been speaking to him about. He joined me a little bit earlier on to discuss the game against Starnan on Thursday night. But again, if you are listening after that game, this is still a relevant conversation because I talked to Gary about his career. He's a Kildare man, spent some time at Longford, and uh, now is a couple of seasons at Rovers. And we talk about his style, what he wants to do, and hopefully progression in Europe for the hoops but he has been doing a lot of this this season so far Shaw's onto it Shaw on the right hand side puts it through the keeper's legs and it's 2-0 to Shamrock Rovers in the 20th minute well Gary Shaw you've done that a few times this season it's been a fairly profitable season in front of goal for you hasn't it? Yeah um, obviously I'm enjoying my football at the moment I'm playing every week and you know now starting to score goals which is always good as a striker but uh happy overall with how, how my season personally is going and you know we're starting to put together some nice results as well so it's been a it's been a good season so far I've been to see Rovers a couple of times I'm your good luck chairman Stephen Bradley will confirm that anytime I've gone to see you you've won and you've scored goals your team is set up to score isn't it I know that sounds a bit ridiculous because every team are looking to score every team is set up ideally to score but you guys really have it you have the wide men you have the middle men and in yourself you have the front men that's it, yeah, right right through the team, as you said, we have, you know, we have a lot of uh, an attacking threat, you know, from our full-backs right up to the wingers, and then obviously myself and, you know, um, the whole squad really, you know, the players coming in like Mike O'Connor wasn't playing at the start of the season, and he's come in, he's, he um, he got the winner up in Finn Harp, so, um, you know, if, if uh, lads aren't doing their job, I suppose, the next lad is there ready to take his place and, and, um, and get the job done, so... Right through the whole squad, we have a, a serious attack and tread, and it is starting to show. And um, we got four against Strahd, and um, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a good season. So uh, yeah, look, we're, we're, I'm happy with how it's going. And I must fill you with confidence as well when you know a ball can be threaded through for you to you from anywhere. Like Roland Finn, he has a magic touch. Then you've got Simon Madden coming up and getting crosses in, and Trevor Clark with his speed to burn. I mean, it's just a, a, a team, as you say, that can create and score from anywhere. Yeah, look, they make they make my job uh, that bit easier. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you can be in a team that you know you kind of have to do the work yourself. But when when that work is done for you, um, you know, when you have passers like you said, like Ronan Finn, an absolutely excellent passer the ball, or you have Trevor Clark out on, on the wing with, with Brandon as well. And um, you know, they beat players for fun, they've pace to burn, and you know, they can cross the ball as well and pick you out. So it just it simply just makes my job that bit easier. Um, um, I just have to be in, in the box and as long as I'm in the box that they'll get me the ball and that's that's the way it's been going. It looks to me when I watch you guys I could be completely wrong but this is what it looks like to me like you're encouraged to to love that football to use that football not to you know get rid of it under pressure or not to just get it away play safety first you're encouraged to actually use the ball and that seems when you've clicked in games 
to, to, to be the case? Yeah, look, football's a simple game, really, when you think about it. Um, you know, keep the ball, keep it away from the opposition and, you know, use the ball and, uh, you know, obviously try and score at the end of it all. And when you have the players that we have, um, we're well able to move the ball around the pitch at pace and we play with a tempo. And, you know, like you said, when, when we're at it, um, it's very hard to, to stop us. And um, we've shown that in a lot of games this season. Um, and we've, we've, we've had some great results as well. Obviously, you know, things haven't been 100% right and there's always room to improve. But, um, you know, the manager's been brilliant and always encourages us to, to get the ball down and play. And there is times, you know, when you're under a bit of pressure, you might have to clip one in behind. And um, I'm more than happy to, to, to make those runs in behind and, you know, with my height as well. Yeah. It's, um, you know, people see me as a target man. So um, it is, uh, you know, it is ben- beneficial to have me up there as as that target man holding the ball up and getting players up the pitch because um I'll get plenty of support around me and it's um it's uh you know mixing up the play is crucial as well. You can't always play on the ground and you can't always be going long. So I think we have a good balance of, of playing and and uh you know, clipping balls in behind and like I said, it, it's been working for us this season. And how do you feel about that? Because when you're tall and you're a front man, everyone thinks of you as a target man rather than a footballer, but as you say, you have done both this season and done it well. Yeah, it's it's you know that's what I've been I suppose seeing that once, once you see me a striker six foot three, and yeah. um, you think right he, he's not going to be running me in behind, but I like to mix it up and just be a you know a nuisance for defenders, and you know I will come short the odd time, but then I will spin in behind, and you know I I've been working on my my speed and strength uh, in the off season, and I can I can feel it myself that you know I I can uh, I've got that big uh, sharper and quicker, and um, you know I feel like I'm getting away from defenders, and even when you're going you know seventy plus minutes. And, you know, when they're starting to tire, you're still, you know, you're still full of energy and it's really paying off. So mixing up the game obviously makes that bit harder for defenders to mark you. And, you know, you have to think um, sometimes as a striker, you think as a defender, you know, what don't I want you to do here? Like as a defender, you want the striker playing in front of you and dropping off and, you know, not near the goal. But when you start spinning in behind and making runs in behind and you have to chase them, that's when you're being a real nuisance. So I just mix up the play as much as I can and and be, be uh, be that awkward fellow up top. And is that something that you've learned as an adult? Because I'm not sure if you were always tall, but if you were going through the grades, I imagine the message was always, lads, get it up to Gary, or lads, get it on Gary's head. Whereas now, Stephen seems to be working with your, your feet and your ability to get him behind, and I've seen you do it, and everyone's seen you do it. You are very much an all-round frontman, but has that always been the case, or is that something you've had to develop? Um, I suppose I, I, when I started off, I was a brave starting off, but when I went along for it, I was used more as a target man. And you know when we played in the first division, there was there was a lot of um, you know long ball mm. stuff, and I'd be flicking on balls and that kind of stuff. And you know at, at the time, and look, this it's, it depends what team you're in, I suppose. At the time, you know, um, Davy O'Sullivan that was with me at Longford scored um, half full of goals, and it was just it was simple. It was play the ball long to me, I'll nod it down, and Davy will score. And it just seemed yeah. to work every week. So we didn't want to stop doing that. Obviously, when you come to the Rovers in the Premier Division, you know it's, um, we played a different brand of football, and and the manager has has seen that. You know, I'm I'm not just good in the air, but I'm I'm good at my feet, and you know he's he's made me work on that, and you know, um, recognise that. You know, it doesn't always have to go along. It can go into Gary's feet, and he can bring players into play, or he can turn and take players on. So yeah. it's just knowing knowing your players as a manager, and the manager has seen that, and. Um, you know, we, we've we've profited a, a lot from it this season because we have mixed up the play, and you know, defenders aren't sure what to do. But for me, it's um, my dad always said to me. My dad was a centre half, and he'd always said, "Think of what a defender thinks." And like you said, um, he, he'd be more than happy as a, for a striker to be dropping in all the time 
he's happy with that hill challenge in the air with a striker. But if he starts running in behind, making things awkward for mixing up, he doesn't know what to do. So you just have to think of that in the game and uh, just just be just be awkward. Yeah, I guess you're you're more Harry Kane than Gary Doherty. <laughs> Slightly. I I, I I like the fact that you put me in, on a, on a on level there with uh, with Harry Kane, but. Uh, I think I have a bit to go to get to his level. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, like aside from the physicality, what else did you pick up in your couple of seasons at Longford? Because the first division can be a really good learning zone, can't it? Yeah, look, it's it's such a tough league to win. You know, I spent four seasons at Longford, and um, I won at the third attempt. And you know, we always had a very good squad, but could just never quite get over the line. It's a, it's it's a tough, it's a long season. You know, there's there's only. I know A teams in the league, and you're playing. You know, it seems like you're playing. You know, every team um, one after the other, really quick. And you know, it's 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 hard to go um, to places like at the time Finn Harps and, and Cove and get results. It is very hard. But with the squad we had, um, you know, we brought in the, the, the season we won. We brought in Stephen Rice, Pat Sullivan, Pat Flynn. We brought in those caliber of players, and just that experience, I think, got us over the line. And that's what we were missing uh, season before that. And um, it was it was great for me, you know. I always have that winners' medal there, and you know, I can say I won the I won the first division, and it was just just for me as a player, as a young player at the time, um, having that bit of experience behind me, you now I thought really kicked me on, um, going forward, and just having those around, um, I, I suppose you call them winners because they won leagues at Rovers, having them around really helped me. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 interesting that you mentioned the guys you mentioned there. You very much are a product of your environment as a footballer, aren't you? That's it. It's um, it's uh, it was it was great to have them there, and you know it was I I still to this day don't know how Tony Cousins managed to convince them to come to Longford, um, from what they were doing at Shamrock Rovers and in the Europa League and all that, to get them to come to Longford and and have a crack at the first division. But look, like I said, they're winners, and there was a chance there to win, you know, a medal that they probably hadn't won before, and. Um, I think when you put it like that, it was it was easy to convince them to, to come to get them to come down. I guess the the biggest lesson to take from that is always try to play. Don't just sit somewhere and take a wage packet, work hard, and and play football. Yeah, people you know people always say about um, oh, lads just sit there to to make a few quid, but you know it's it's really you know everyone's in it for the, for the love of the game, I suppose, and definitely definitely myself. It's it's great being able to put on the jersey and go out and play, and after the hard work you do during the week. And then, um, you know, if as a striker, obviously, there's no, I suppose, no better feeling than scoring. And if you can get that goal or the winner, um, if you can get the winner on a match day, it, it makes it all worth it. And yeah. uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's great as a footballer to be able to do that. Is, is the hardest part about moving to somewhere like Rovers, as, as many advantages as you have and as many, I suppose, more resources that they would have over somewhere like Longford, is the hardest part adapting to the expectation? Because... When you're at a club like Rovers, you have to deliver. That's it. There's such huge expectations uh, with with Rovers. It's, it's probably the, you know, there's probably the most pressure at any other club. It, the, the biggest pressure is Rovers, and it was it was a tough decision for me. Um, I was working at the time, and I had to either give up the job, um, and uh, I I wasn't sure what to do. But then at the end of it all, I just said, you know, I'm, I'm I have a chance here being, I suppose, a professional footballer, getting trained every day, so. It was a no-brainer then when I sat down and thought about it. And, um, you know, I suppose I haven't looked back since and I'm, I'm delighted with the decision I made. Um, it's it's uh, it's great to be able to play. For Shamrock Rovers, you know, the history they have and, 
and the players that have come through there. And, you know, when you were playing at the likes of, say, when I was with Bray and Longford, that was the fixture you always look forward to. It was always going to Shamrock Rovers and playing them in Tala. And it was kind of the best fixture you'd play all season. And, you know, there's always a brilliant atmosphere. And it was, uh, you always got, you, you never had to get yourself up for the game. You were always just up for that game, no matter what. Mm. And now, being on the other side and being a Shamrock Rovers player, you realise that every single team ups their game with Shamrock Rovers when you play Shamrock Rovers. There's always a bigger crowd. There's always, you know, more noise in the stadium. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to see it from the other side now. And you, you can, uh, it's, uh, it is good. Yeah. Now, Europe is what Shamrock Rovers want to conquer. Uh, last year, disappointing. This year, a good start, but the job isn't done yet. You have had a good start, thanks to your goal. Talk to me about that performance in Iceland. And keep in mind that most people haven't seen this game because unlike the, the Cork City game, it wasn't on TV. Talk to me about what kind of match it was. Yeah, it was, obviously you're saying there, it was disappointing uh, last year, which it was. So we wanted to get off to a good start. And uh, we felt we always had a chance against uh, this team. And we uh, did our homework on them. And it was the first game, when you haven't played a team before in Europe, it's always going to be... a uh, a nervy affair the first uh, leg and you know you could see that at the start of the game kind of getting a feel both teams were getting a feel for each other and then um, it was always going to be a tight tight one and you know we we took about I'd say 10-15 minutes to get into the game properly and once we got into it we really settled down and started playing the ball around it was a big pitch over there in AstroTurf and uh, you know we, we made them we made them work hard to, to get the ball back off us and then you know we, we had a lot of pressure and um, on them and we managed to nick the goal. Obviously, I got I got the goal, which was great to get. Mm. And then second half, then was a bit, um, you know, a bit different. We kind of, you know, sat off them and um, invited them on slightly. Um, you know, it wasn't really the plan to do that, but it just it just kind of seemed to happen. And look, we held out for the one 0 win. Great, great win. Got the away goal. So, like you said, job's only half done. And you know, they could score in the first ten minutes in Tala. Um, and change the whole thing, but look, we'll we, we'll have our game plan. We'll um, we know them better than we did before, and um, so we'll, we'll do our homework again on them, and we'll set out. Look, we can kill the game off with a goal, and hopefully we can um, we can do that by half time. That'll be the ideal scenario, but uh, it'll be a tough game. They'll uh, they'll obviously be more attacking now because they need to score. But look, we keep a clean sheet on Thursday. We um we win we win the game. When you're preparing for a big European game at home, is it just different to? playing a big domestic game and you've had Dundalk and Cork City come to Tala already this season and those are big games but is there more nerves is there more um, is there more kind of um, expectation what's it like as a player yeah like I, I'd be you know I'd be one to I suppose I'd get a little worked up before games I, I, I won't lie in saying that but walking out onto the pitch uh, in Iceland I was I was wasn't nervous I was, I was really excited to play the game you know it's you don't get many opportunities to play, and the manager drills that into you. Know Europe doesn't come around, you know, every second or third week. It's you know you get one crack at a season, and it obviously depends on the club you're at. You might get a crack at it at all. So it's more excitement to get into play in these competitions. With you know the further you go, the bigger teams to get, and the more rewards are there. So it's um it's it's brilliant to play in, and um it's look it's such a massive week for the club now, and you know we know we're, we're hoping we get a big crowd on Thursday. We really want to. Uh, we really want that big crowd because it was a great travelling support, fair play to every single fan that made the journey to Iceland. So it's a huge week for the club. We, we just want every fan possible to come out and support us and get us through and you know, hopefully go on a little run. And you know, you never know where it might get us because, look, they've done it before. Dundalk's done it last year. And um, who knows, another Irish club um, could uh, do it again this year. Yeah, and I, when you win in Europe, I guess, as an Irish club, 
it gives you something more than even maybe winning a trophy in Ireland because if you beat teams from outside of the league it suggests that our league is developing well and your club whoever that club is who wins a European game or gets through a round or, or, or makes history in Europe as Shamrock Rovers have done in the past both the recent past and the further past you know it just gives you something more than any kind of domestic win can give you Yeah it's, it is a different feeling you know it was you know when the ref the final whistle out in Iceland you know it was as if we'd um, you know won a trophy nearly it was, it was that big it's such a big game for the club like I said and it's such a big game for you as a player and obviously you know, meant that bit more to me that it was my first European goal and um, it was my first win in Europe. So I can't, I honestly can't put my finger on why it is, but it, it, it just, it's that bit more precious to you and um, more important to you that um, it is Europe. And obviously, look, obviously every league game is is, is uh, important, but when it is Europe, when Europe does come around, like I said, it doesn't come around often, but when you can get that win or get the goal, um, it, it's massive. And personally, uh, it was a great feeling for me. And, and I say this as a Cork City fan, I've never hidden that. When you guys got to the group stages, obviously you weren't at the club at the time, but when Shamrock Rovers got to the group stages, I was glad for them because I was glad for the league because it gave the league a profile. And when Dundalk did what they did last year, it kind of stopped the asterisks of in League of Ireland football. Now people just say in football when they're talking about League of Ireland football. And it gave something more to the league. I'm sure as, as a Shamrock Rovers player at the time, you were looking on and thinking... I'm glad for the league, but boy, am I jealous. I'd love to do that. We can do that. And that maybe, that maybe is something that, that, that has driven you this year. It is the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's 100% possible. And um, like that, that could be us this year. And people could be talking about us next year. That was unbelievable. Shamrock Rovers did last year in 2017. And obviously Ronan Finn was a part of that run. Have you kind of picked his brain on it and how to approach things and, and what to do? Um, not no, not really. To be honest with you, like it's you know we're obviously two different sides, but um, he's great experience here. And Darren Mean is there as well, and Michael O'Connor. Um, they weren't involved as as Ronan, but um, you know having that experience there is going to definitely stand to us. He knows what it takes to get there and how hard you have to work and what what you have to do together as a team. So you know having that experience there, and, and look, Ronan was there when Rovers did it as well, not just on Dock. So yeah. he has he has you know twenty five plus appearances I think in Europe. Yeah. So having him there is going to be great and, and very valuable to us. And obviously the manager was part of that team as well. So look, we've experienced all over the place um, from players right through to the staff that have played in Europe. And um, it's 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 definitely look it's it's definitely achievable. It's always going to be tough. You're never going to get an easy run um, to Europa League group stages. And it's as simple as that. You won't. It's not not look at a draw. You're gonna you're gonna hit uh, a difficult team at some stage. But um, you just have to, you know, work hard, battle, and like I said, get the support behind you. You know, when you get that support from the fans, it really does drive you on. So that's why on Thursday, you know, we're looking for a big support. And I know it's been announced that's on telly as well. So hopefully that doesn't stop people from coming out. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to it now. Yeah, Gary, I hope you do get that support. I will be among the crowd. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a great occasion at Tallis Stadium. You're absolutely right when you advise people to get out there because these nights, they're really, really special. Hopefully it'll be a go- another good one for a League of Ireland side in Europe. Hopefully we'll have um, we'll have two good results in Europe on Thursday night. Cork City, obviously, playing Levadia Tallinn and Turner's Cross pretty much at the same time as you take on Sternan of Iceland. Gary, really appreciate your time. Best of luck on Thursday. Thanks for speaking to us. No problem at all. Thanks very much, Eugene. Bye-bye. And I absolutely swear that Kevin Doherty sat for the 20 minutes and listened to that interview 
and it will not be his first time hearing it when he listens back to the podcast very when we release it. Well, yeah. What did you find particularly interesting about it? Can we move on? No, no, no. You, you said it was interesting. I know, just, it just seemed like a good... It was a good yeah. chat you had with him there, yeah. 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 20 odd minutes of any, fun. Any no, it's just questions generally, like good, generally top, top stuff. Yeah. Journalistic-wise, it was very good. I thought the questions you... Uh, you, you really you really are getting used to working with me compliment me and I'll forget that I'm trying to catch just you out move and move on, on. Yeah, just move okay on. that's it for this week how can people get you um, at Kevdoc5 and you can get me on at Oshin Langan we used to do the fixtures here but again I'll say it if you have the internet and you can access podcasts then you can access the fixtures uh, Kevin will be back next week with us hopefully with more play on the C words I'll stop William I'm regretting that already <laughs> I was going to edit it but I thought no people need to know that you are not the nice guy you <laughs> pretend to be. People need to know. Ah, the opportunity was there. I just thought, show my uh, jovial side. <laughs> There's nothing more non-jovial than a guy saying, I'm I showing my jovial yeah, side. Yeah. Well, there you go. It just okay. proven it was only a one-top. Okay, Kevin, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. No thank problem. you very much for uh, listening. Thanks for clicking in. And thanks for going to the games. We'll talk to you next week when hopefully we've got two clubs in the second qualifying round of the Europa League. And we will also have a club in the Champions League. Best of luck to Dundalk who are up against Rosenberg. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.